0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 2nd, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Oral arguments last week at the Supreme Court on gay marriage have engendered even further discussion on the issue and some changes of sentiment from many prominent conservatives. But the court might hand down a victory for both sides in the fight over gay marriage. Trevor Burris, a research fellow at the Cato Institute, explains how it might happen.
1: Well, when we look at the uh, case and we compare it to other cases where the Supreme Court have been called upon to possibly make drastic changes in American life, so for example, Brown v. Board of Education and Roe v. Wade, we have a very different situation here where the court is under constraints that are, you could call them political or prudential in terms of an institution that tries to respect political processes and people's voting. And right now we have a... We have a movement to have more legalization of gay marriage. that's moving incredibly fast. It's not the same as it was during Brown v. Board of Education or Roe. So I believe that the court will respect that in some way, in terms of trying to create an opinion that will give both sides kind of a victory, but also not overturn every state that prohibits same-sex marriage.
0: Now, if I just understand what uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg said uh, during uh, oral argument, she sort of seemed to indicate hey, let's give half a loaf now. And when public opinion really shifts in this direction, this is not what she actually said, but it's what she seemed to indicate was, let's give them half a loaf now. And then when the public opinion continues to shift, we'll scoop up the pieces a few years from now.
1: Exactly. And and some people think it's illegitimate for the court to be concerned with public opinion. I think that that's wrong because the court it depends on public opinion to be convincing, and it has to convince the other branches to enforce its rulings. And if they don't believe in the what the court is saying, then they don't have to do it. But we they did this when the miscegenation cases came down. The court had heard an early cohabitation case, and they didn't go all the way to allowing interracial marriage. And they waited until there were only 16 states left. It was just a few years later in the Loving v. Virginia case. There are only 16 states left that prohibited interracial marriage, and they struck those down. So there is a prudential element where we wait a little bit longer. And it's probably not going to be much more than 10 years before there's nine holdout states left. And then they strike all those down and, and there isn't a huge sort of revolt against the court's legitimacy.
0: Now, the Wall Street Journal and Roger Pollan has talked about this with me as well, uh, tried to make the case saying, look, this, you do this and you've got another Roe v. Wade on your hands. And, uh, In response, Roger's argument was essentially, well, it's not really like Roe v. Wade. It's more like Loving v. Virginia. That is, there's this large shift in public opinion that's occurring right now. And with Roe v. Wade, we're still very divided.
1: Yes. I, I agree that it's not going to be the same as Roe because Roe in some way is an intractable problem. I, there's, a, It's very difficult to figure out when a life begins. But there is a movement for marriage that has happened before. We saw it in loving and, I th- and it will happen again. Will that bring every state into it uh, before the courts opine on, on striking those down? No. But I think we'll have 30 to 40 within the next 10 years and then it will be much easier.
0: Uh, Jeff Flake recently said uh, he could see him envision himself supporting a Republican pro-gay marriage candidate for president. Uh, Rush Limbaugh recently said that it's inevitable and it just seems like the shift that's occurring right now in light of the debate at the, at the Supreme Court and this – it seems to be even accelerating faster.
1: Yeah, and that was my favorite part generally about bringing the case because I have a pretty good sense – I mean it's always a dangerous thing to make, a strong prediction on a Supreme Court case. But I have a pretty good sense of how this will come out. But what really came out of this was a, a huge national conversation about gay marriage with people like Rush Limbaugh and, and Flake not necessarily getting on board but saying, you know, we can move on to other issues now because it's inevitable. And I think that that's going to be the most significant thing that came out of this.
0: So there are two cases before the court. One is on Prop 8 in California that dealt with state restrictions. The other case uh, deals with the federal government defining what has traditionally been a state-level legal institution of marriage. What do you think will happen?
1: So there's going to be a little bit of victory on both sides. Uh, The court will not strike down every state's law that prohibits same-sex marriage for the reasons we've talked about. But they can strike down the Defense of Marriage Act, the federal law that defines marriage as, as a heterosexual union. And they can do now here's the difficulty. If they struck down the Defense of Marriage Act on equal protection grounds, that means it is only a matter of time before every state law also goes down because the equal protection analysis would be exactly the same for both laws. So what can happen is there can be five justices who vote to strike down DOMA and four who don't, but four Five, four who've do, who vote to strike it down on equal protection grounds will be the liberal justices. And the one who votes to strike it down on federalism grounds will be Justice Kennedy. So the law will go down, but there'll be no controlling theory, which is held over the heads of all the state laws uh, to strike them down later.
0: Now, what does that do for on behalf of federalism itself as an institution?
1: I think it preserves it. It doesn't endanger many other laws. The strongest argument on the federalism ground here is that it is an intrusion into family law, and there's few things that are more core to state uh, concerns, core state concerns, than family law. And so I don't think it will be expanded much, and we already know Kennedy's a big fan of federalism, and we can reinvigorate a little bit more federalism into our into our constitutional system and remember that the states have, have individual concerns on these levels.
0: Trevor Burris is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at cato.org.